Chapter Ten of Andiron Tales by John Bangs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by April six zero nine zero, California, United States of America. Home again, and now said the left hand iron, as the flamingo flew off and left them to themselves. It strikes me that it is time we set about having some supper. I'm getting hungry. What with the excitement of that ride and the fact i haven't eaten anything but a bowlful of kindling wood since yesterday morning i'm with you there said tom i've been hungry ever since we started and the snow on the moon whetted my appetite never knew a boy who wasn't hungry on all occasions puffed the bellows fact is a boy wouldn't be a real boy unless he was hungry did you ever know a boy that would confess he'd had enough to eat pokey once said poker i wrote a poem about him but i never could get it published want to hear it very much said tom well here goes said the poker anxiously and he recited the following lines the wondrous strike of sammy dyke young sammy dyke was a likely boy who lived somewhere in illinois his father was a blacksmith and his mom made pies for all the land the pies were all so very fine that folks who sought them stood in line before the shop of dyke and co mid passing rain in drifting snow for fear they'd lose the tasty prize of dyke's new patent homemade pies one day alas poor mrs dyke who with her pies had made the strike by overwork fell very ill and all her orders could not fill so ill was she she could not bake one half the pastry folks would take and so her loving husband said he'd take her place and cook instead of making horseshoes kindly joe to help his wife in time of woe he worked by night he worked by day yet worked alas in his own way and made such pies i've understood as but a simple blacksmith could he made them hard as iron bars he made them tough as trolley cars he seemed to think a pie's estate was to be used as armor plate and not a pie would he let go that had not stood the sledge's blow upon the anvil in his sanctum whence not went out until he spanked em result with many a lass and lack the pies joe made they all came back from folks who claimed they could not go the latest pies of dyke and co and here it was that sammy came to help his parents in the game can't eat em cried indignant joe can't eat em well i want to know here sammy show these people here how most unjust their plaint my dear come lad and eat the luscious pies that i have made and they despise poor loyal sammy then began upon those stodgy pies the plan was very pleasing in his eyes for sammy loved his mother's pies he nibbled one he bit another and then began to think of mother he chewed and gnawed he munched and bit but no he could not swallow it and then poor child it was so tough he had to say he'd had enough though never in the world before was lad who had not wanted more and what became of sammy's ma and what became of sammy's pa their profits gone how could they eke a living good from week to week they took the recipe for pies that mother made oh so wise let father make them in his way in form elliptical they say and when the football season came one fortune great and wondrous fame beyond the wildest hope and dreams by selling these to football teams and those by whom this game is played called them the finest ever made 
though sure good football made of mints has never quite been equaled since and few who kick them with their feet know they're the pies sam couldn't eat the only pies upon this orb a healthy boy could not absorb great poem that eh said the bellows poking tom in the ribs and grinning broadly splendid said tom new use for pies that it's beautifully long said lefty but why couldn't it be published asked righty wasn't it long enough the editor said it wasn't true sighed the poker he had three boys of his own you know and he said there never was a boy who couldn't eat a pie even if it was made of crowbars and rubber as long as it was pie i guess he was right observed righty i knew a boy once who ate soft coal just because somebody told him it was rock candy did he like it asked tom i don't think he did replied righty but he never let on that he didn't well anyhow put in lefty it's time we had something to eat and we'd better set out for the lobster shop or the candy dyke i don't care which or the what asked tom the candy dyke said the left hand iron didn't you ever hear of the candy dyke never responded tom what is it it's a candy klondike explained the left hand iron there are gumdrop mines and marshmallow loads and deposits of chocolate creams beyond the dreams of avarice remember em righty oh mm, mm, murmured righty smacking his lips with joy do i remember them oh my don't i just why i never wanted to come back from there i had to be pulled out of the peppermint mine with a derrick and the river oh the river was there anything ever like it tom's mouth began to water he knew not why what about the river he asked soda water flowing from mountain to the sea returned the right hand iron smacking his lips again ecstatically just imagine it tom a great stream of soda water fed by little rivulets of vanilla and strawberry and chocolate syrup with here and there a cream brook feeding the combination until all you had to do to get a glass of the finest nectar ever mixed was to dip your cup into the river and there you were tom closed his eyes with very joy at the mere idea oh where is this river he cried when he was able to find words to speak in the candy dyke of course where else said the poker but of course we can go to the lobster shop if you prefer not i said tom i don't care for any lobster shop with a candy dyke in sight don't be rash said the bellows who apparently had a strong liking for the lobster shop of course we all love the candy dyke because it is so sweet but for real pleasure the lobster shop is not to be despised i don't think you ought to make up your mind as to where you'll go next in too much of a hurry what's the fun in the lobster shop asked tom purely intellectual if you know what that means said the bellows you get your mind filled there instead of your stomach you meet the wittiest oysters and the most poetic clams and the most literary lobsters at the lobster shop you ever saw for my part i love the lobster shop i can get something to eat anywhere i can get a steak at any lumber yard in town i can get a chop at any axe factory in the country and if i want sweets i can find a cakery bakery you mean said tom no i don't at all said the bellows i mean cakery a cakery is a place where they sell cake and when i say cakery i mean what i say just because you call it bakery doesn't prove anything we're out for pleasure not for argument growled the left hand iron go on and say what you've got to say well said the bellows what i was trying to say when interrupted 
was that you can get your stomach filled almost anywhere but your mind that is different i'm hungrier in my mind than in my stomach and i'd rather be fed just now on the jests of an oyster the good stories of a clam and the anecdotes of a lobster than have the freedom of the richest marshmallow mine in creation well i'm sure i don't know what to do said tom very much perplexed the candy dyke was glorious but the lobster shop too had its attractions for tom was fond of witty jokes and good anecdotes the idea of having them from the lips of lobsters and oysters was very appealing i say he said in a minute why isn't the lobster shop the best place for us to go after all if we are really hungry we could sit down at the table you know and listen to the lobster's anecdotes and then eat him afterward in that way we could hear the stories and fill up beside well i declare cried the bellows what an idea you most ungrateful boy not at all said the poker not at all it's merely the habit of his kind many's the time when i've heard of men and women devouring their favorite authors tom couldn't better show his liking for the lobster than by eating him on the other hand if he goes there and turns his back on the candy dyke he'll miss the most wonderful sight in all creation and that is the nestle rod cataract on the soda water river it is located at the point where the vanilla glacier comes down from the cream mountains on the one side and the famous marin's orchards line the other bank for a distance of seven miles it's a perfectly gorgeous sight mercy me cried tom indeed i should like to see that no doubt put in the bellows nevertheless you can see nestle rod pudding at home at any time but did you ever see there a turtle that can recite a fairy story of his own composition or a crab capable of, of narrating the most thrilling story of the american revolutionary war that anybody ever dreamed of oh dear oh dear oh dear said tom what shall i do as he spoke from far down in the valley there seemed to come a crash and a roar following close upon which the barking of a dog made itself heard the ice is slipping cried the poker as the mountain trembled beneath them there's going to be an avalanche and we're on it the whole top of the mountain shook as if it had been in an earthquake and then it began to crash rapidly downward dear me how annoying observed the bellows as if we haven't had enough coasting this trip without taking a turn on an avalanche but what shall we do roared the andirons excitedly i never foresaw this slide i guess said the poker calmly it's all we can do the barking of the dog approached closer good cried righty clapping his claws together gleefully as an idea flashed across his mind it's one of those famous st bernards he'll take care of us tom and as for us the thunderous roar of the descending avalanche drowned the sounds of righty's voice and all that could now serve as a means of conveying their thoughts to each other was the making of wild motions with the hands the poker stood erect and stiff looking grimly ahead of him as if resolved to meet the, his fate bravely the bellows threw himself flat upon the glacier and panted while the two andirons standing guard on either side of tom peered anxiously about for the rescuer of their little guest nor did they look in vain for in a few moments the huge figure of a saint bernard appeared below them rushing with all his might and main to their side for some reason or other the saint bernard seemed to have something familiar about him but tom couldn't quite say what it was bow wow wow the dog barked gleefully 
for this was just the sort of work he most enjoyed strangely enough tom seemed to understand dog language for the first time in his life for the bark said to him as plainly as you please climb on my back sonny and i'll have you out of this in a jiffy the lad lost not a moment in obeying aided by the affectionate boosts of the andirons he soon found himself lying face downward upon the broad shaggy back of the faithful beast he closed his eyes to shut out the blinding snow for a moment and then tom sat up and rubbed them for there was no snow no avalanche no alp no st bernard dog in sight only a friendly pair of andirons staring fixedly at him out of the fireplace of his father's library the poker standing like a grenadier at one side and the bellows hanging from a brass-headed nail on the other beside these lying on the rug next to him his head cocked to one side his eyes fixed intently upon tom's face and his tail wagging furiously was jeffy not a saint bernard but a shaggy little scotch terrier hello jeffy said tom as he rubbed his eyes a second time where have you been all this time woof barked jeff and cocking his eyes knowingly and was it you who rescued me from the avalanche tom asked woof replied jeff as much as to say he wouldn't tell well it was mighty good of you if you did jeffy tom said gratefully only i wish you could have taken me to the candy dyke or the lobster shop instead of straight home i'm not only hungry jeffy but i should very much have liked to visit those wonderful places woof said jeffy which tom took to be a promise that his rescuer would do better next time the little party has not been off again since but the other night some pieces of newspaper were thrown into the fireplace and all but one of them were burned Righty held this one under his claw and tom while trying to get a word out of his friend caught sight of it hello said tom as he read what was printed on the clipping the astronomers at the lick observatory have discovered a new constellation in the southeast heavens it is of huge dimensions and resembles in its outlines the figure of a rhinoceros or some such pachydermatous creature well i never he cried as he read i say righty do you believe that's the old hippopotamus and righty never said a word but the look in his eye indicated that he thought there was something in the notion end of chapter ten end of and iron tales by john bangs